0: A Weekend with Jason Dacey replay from Money FM 89.3.
1: Climbing the Chelsea Hill. It's a book about the all time Chelsea FC great Ken Shalito, who lived for a large part of his life in Malaysia and did coach against Singapore in the old days of the Malaysia Cup and the Malaysia competitions when Singapore was involved. With Neil Humphreys here in the studio, we'd like to welcome Nick Atkinson. He is the author of the book. He's a Brit, he lives in Malaysia.
2: Good to have you here on Money FM. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Neil. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Well,
0: I'll start off by saying that I've got a story for Ken to, to kick things off. Um, for younger listeners, perhaps Ken was a very, very you know accomplished fullback in his mm. own right. In Played the, for England, didn't he, he? Did in the early sixties. Ken is responsible for my first ever scoop. For the Straits times Great. ken himself mm. because what happened was in 1999 there was a rumor that david rocastle the late david rocastle who played for sabah in malaysia yes. obviously famous for being an arsenal legend played england, for england yeah. leeds chelsea mm. and so on terrific midfield player there was a rumor that he was thinking about coming to singapore and i was a rookie reporter at that time So I thought it was too good to be true, you know, an England international potentially coming to uh, Singapore. So I found the phone number, I can't remember how, home phone number of Ken. Yep, Ken Shalito. Ken (coughs) Shalito, because he was the coach of Sabah at that Mm, time mm. when David Rocastle was playing for him. So I just called up Ken, never met the guy, never spoke to the guy before, manager of Sabah, Chelsea legend. You couldn't have spoken to a nicer human being. Helpful. He was helpful. He gave me David Rocastle's home phone number, mm. with David's permission, yeah. and his handphone number. And long story short, I got the first scoop of my wow. journalistic career. That's a young journo. It's yeah. all down to Ken. He mm. couldn't have been nicer. And I have to say, being of that younger generation, I vaguely knew of his name. Mm-hmm. Then I spoke to my stepfather, yeah. who's a lifelong Chelsea <laughs> fan back <laughs> in the UK, yeah. and I told him, I've got this scoop you know, about David Rocastle, And he's like, okay, okay. What happened was I spoke to this guy, Ken Chalito. He said, what? Stop, stop, stop. Never mind David Rocastle. You spoke to Ken Mm Chalito? Chelsea's Mm -hmm. Ken Mm Chalito? He didn't care. He couldn't care less about David Rocastle. I'd spoken to a Chelsea legend. So it was a very fascinating introduction to a guy uh, who was just humbling, sweet, kind human being.
2: Yeah, if you say he wouldn't hurt a fly, the expression, but like when I first met him, it was over a pint of Kilkenny, obviously, (laughs) his favourite tipple. But this young lad comes across where we were having the beer and said, uh, Mr. I can I have your autograph? Ken sits the guy down, has a conversation, you know, spends time with him. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the little boy, he gets his autograph and he's back. Yeah, Dad, got it. And that, that was Ken. He always had time for everyone. Mm, he's a lovely uh, guy. And I, exactly. of course,
1: know him as well from working in Malaysia. and I know him, know him very well. And, of course, we should point out that Ken passed away mm-hmm. last year in his uh, beloved suburb at the age of 78. Yeah. Uh, and he'd moved to, I guess, Malaysia in the early 90s. He, he'd, he'd been a player for Chelsea. He'd been a player for England. Uh, missed out on the 1966 World Cup because of an injury, injury to his yep. knee and saw put in this book uh, that uh, Nick has written and he actually you know represented England as we mentioned but didn't get the opportunity to play in the 1966 World Cup and then he managed Chelsea in the late 70s didn't have a great success there but he was with the club for a long time a couple of decades and then uh, He came down to Malaysia and rebuilt his life here, Nick, Mm. didn't
2: he? Well, just going back to that thing, when he started to manage the club, Mm. the problem was that a lot of the people in the first team then were people he had coached for many, many years. And it was uh, Tony Mariadas, one of the journalists up in Malaysia, who wrote an article one time talking about how Ken treated the players like his sons. Mm-hmm. When he was the coach, he was the dad. He was the father figure. So it became very, very difficult for him to, let's say, be the manager as such. When you've, when you've played with people as a coach, he says the focus is not always on winning. When you're coaching these people, he's trying to get these these youngsters to understand that you know, football is a game. But he wanted to make sure that they really fully understood all the aspects of the game so going from coach to manager was a very difficult transition
1: and he was like a, on the ground staff then he was a player yeah. and then he was a youth team coach And
2: well, he was cleaning boots at cleaning 15 cleaning
1: boots at 15 and he, he would stay there right until becoming yeah. the manager and you yeah. said this is unique within Chelsea well, yeah, on,
0: I mean just on that point you know the time when Eden Hazard has just yeah. gone from Chelsea to Real Madrid and loyalty is seen as less important than money and for understandable reasons. I think, as you were saying there, there's some sort of record for, yeah. for his service.
2: Well, well it's funny because, I mean, we said before, John Lyle, West Ham, mm. he's the only other person who spent all his footballing career. He was a player, coach and yeah, manager yeah, at West Ham. At West Ham. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Ken was with him 25 years.
1: Yeah, and we, of course, have mentioned that he did spend the large part of his second part of his life in Asia. So how did he end up coming out to Southeast Asia?
2: The reason he came out to Asia to start with there was actually an opportunity they wanted to set up a coaching school in Singapore, oh really, and he was actually here for a few weeks with a guy who'd set up the company and what have you, and they get a phone call from Malaysia so he um, was going to he was supposed to come to Singapore basically yes went up to um, kl i can 't remember the name of the person he spoke to, but it 's in the book and basically they said we, we want you to set up here um, this is the money we 're offering ABC blah, 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 Ken sort of said, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, I'm interested. Anyway, as they went out, the partner who Ken had gone to Singapore with, who was standing outside waiting, this Malaysian person said, oh, by the way, we only want Ken. We don't want the company or you. Oh, right. So he so it was Ken they wanted. And when was this? Nick? 1991. 1991.
0: The reason I asked that is because, you know, I've written about it many times over the years in books and columns that Southeast Asia has a bit of a reputation for fly-by-night merchants, H um, more con men, essentially, mm. people who say they've got coaching resumes as long as they're armed, but they're as long <laughs> as something else. and <laughs> yes. you know, and uh, we know who they are, they're real con merchants, they mm. last five minutes. Ken wasn't that. Ken was an experienced, qualified coach. What was it about Ken that made him stay for so long and made him commit
2: to Southeast Asian football? To be honest with you, the lifestyle, because he'd spent obviously the early part of his career here, Sabah as well, mm. he, he felt the the environment, the people, it was very close to what he, the life he had grown up with. He, he, loved, he loved that, the camaraderie, um, everybody helping out. But also the, the youngsters, the kids, they really wanted to learn. Mm. They wanted to be inspired. They wanted to gain something from Ken's knowledge. And I think, because as I said earlier he treated them almost like sons hmm. you know that everybody makes mistakes he knows that so on the football pitch you're never going to have a perfect game things are always going to go wrong but that's not a problem because you learn from that but those youngsters they were they were the people that really inspired ken well it's interesting because even in singapore we've just had a new national
0: coach appointed and jason and i were talking about this on the show recently that in singapore and obviously in malaysia you've got to really make a connection for the most part, with the Malay community, you know, and, mm. and it's we've got a track record in Singapore and Malaysia, but particularly in Singapore, of the the Matsali coming in and just not getting it with the local boys. But <clears throat> Ken somehow made that deep connection, didn't he, with the Malay community, the boys?
2: And to be honest with you, I really think it's he's a Cockney boy, he's like me, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's London. London. Uh, there there it's was true. It's... look, Ken grew up during the second world war mm-hmm. he was born in 1940 right S- in the middle of the blitz same year as uh, john lennon and ringo starr the, mm. the bombs going off but that environment that they were brought up in where everybody everybody's coming together the mums were the were the backbone of course of the uk then dads were all off fighting and i think that really really resonated with him that that came through in everything he did that was how he wanted his life to be
0: I think that's fascinating. That's a very profound point and, and think something I've touched on in my books because it's a question I get asked quite a lot. And I've never thought about it and, until mm. today, Nick points out. I think when you have that working class, entrenched working class connection, there's straight away an empathy <coughs> with what in Singapore we call the heartlander community, mm. uh, the working class community of Singapore. And I'm sure it would be the same in mm. Malaysia.
2: Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I mean, and Ken always said, he said, football is a working man's game. Mm that's why all the stadiums were in the working class areas mm. for, for him yes it was his heritage his his way of life and I think that's why yeah Malaysia he, he found it
1: we're talking about climbing the Chelsea hill it's the biography of the all time Chelsea FC great Ken Shalito it's written by Nick Atkinson in the studio with me and uh, Neil Humphreys about a man who really uh, spent uh, very happy years in Southeast Asia coaching against Singapore living in Sabah he also coached Selangor. And he was based in, in Kuala Lumpur. I, I love this uh, little anecdote, uh, Neil. He was on his deathbed and he died last year, sadly, after a lung infection. But And he was in a pretty bad state. Friends and family around his hospital bed. And I think it was Scott who was a a well-known Australian international based in Sabah, played in the Malaysia Super League against Singapore and other things. They asked him what was the highest ever record score for Chelsea. And Ken, despite his state on his deathbed, came up with the 13-0. He said 13-0. And sure enough, it was Chelsea's record win, a 13-0 victory over Luxembourg part-timers Jeunesse Hotaraj in a UEFA Cup Winners' Cup game in September 1971. Extraordinary. It
0: doesn't surprise me because... You know, I was looking at it uh, last night, but, of course, in that early 60s side that Ken played for was a, was a groundbreaking side in many ways. First, they had mm. a very young coach at the time, Tommy Doherty, mm, who yes. went on to manage yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. But if you look at their key stars, Terry Ven- or, or rising young stars, I should say, Terry Venables, Ron Harris, John Hollins, Eddie McCready. Now, these may not be names familiar to Singaporeans, young Singaporeans, but the key point about all of those names is they all became managers Tommy Doherty may not have realized it, but he was breeding the next generation of coaches and managers who all went on to have successful careers, Ken included. Mm.
2: Tommy almost, you could say, single handedly transformed the game of football.
0: Very much. Um, so.
2: There were no attacking fullbacks. Yeah. That was that was how he transformed. Because if you remember, Chelsea, I think they'd gone down a league. Yes. Got relegated. He brought them back up. But you know, attacking fullbacks, you know, footba- mm. fullbacks, no, 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 they they stay in their half. Tommy brought that in and, you know, uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, Ken was one of those attacking fullbacks. Yep. He was a right fullback. And, uh, of course, he did come
1: uh, to Southeast Asia and he uh, he remarried, didn't he, yes. uh, Nick? And yep. he, he had a, I think he's got a kid now. And, yep. So what's the latest uh, on, on his family and uh, what he's left
2: behind? Let's say the relevance to climbing the Chelsea Hill, OK? Um, yes, he climbed the Chelsea Hill from ground staff at the club to manager. But when he married his, his wife, Jenny... She's a Sabahan indigenous, Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember the exact area. But basically they were given a plot of land on a hilltop and it's called Chelsea Hill. Fantastic. So <laughs> basically he built his home on Chelsea Hill and basically every day he was climbing Chelsea Hill. I love that. Uh, mm. it, was, it was lovely. I mean, for Ken, you know, he, he's, he's blue through and through. Mm. It was in his blood.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, he, of course, he did develop some really great mm. uh, Chelsea players, including Ray Wilkins, oh, yeah, yeah, who yeah. was uh, a Fantastic. legend for England and also Chelsea was, uh, you know, and he was the assistant manager when Chelsea won Premier League titles. Clive Walker, another uh, England international, Neil. Well,
0: that's why I said it, it means so much to my stepfather because he was on the show he was in the Stamford Bridge right. in the late 70s when Kane was manager. Yeah watching the young Ray Wilkins Walker you Mm -hmm. mentioned there coming through and unfortunately I think they they didn't have a good season because it was very much, rather like West Ham at the same time, it was very much a team in transition Mm -hmm. between the old guard retiring, moving on and the young boys of Ray Wilkins and coming Mm -hmm. through so it's just ironic for Ken that he was probably a season or two ahead of himself in terms of he was nurturing the young boys like Wilkins which subsequent coaches Mm -hmm. benefited from.
2: And that's the thing, Ken never really wanted to manage. Each time he had the opportunity to be a manager he really didn't want it Mm. he wanted to be the coach he wanted Mm. to be that man who's basically behind the scenes making the machine work Mm. incredible how chelsea
1: has you know grown from what it was in in the 60s and 70s when ken shalito was involved to where it is today just about out of time on this segment nick but tell us how we can find out more about um, your book and how people can buy it climbing the chelsea hill
2: well it's published by mph it should be available in major bookstores any time from now. So okay. if, if you go along, I'm, I'm waiting to get confirmation of the online presence, shall we say. Well, there's uh, a
0: couple of uh, a prominent MPH stores in yes, Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one at City Hall, I believe. I know there's one at Parkway Parade. Yep. Definitely will be in the MPH yep. stores.
2: So, so, but one thing I will say is that, chatting with you earlier, I'm not sure whether to call it an autobiographical biography or a biographical autobiography. <laughs> because I've written this but in Ken's words.
0: So No, I no. think we should stress that to the listeners. What I find fascinating about this book is that although Ken is no longer with us, I was shocked when I opened the first couple of pages yeah. and it's written in the first person. It's yeah. written by him through you, which yeah. I think is wonderful.
2: I, it was lovely. I mean, it took us seven years. Wow. Purely because of my schedule, Ken's schedule. Mm. He was backwards, backwards and forwards to Sabah. Um, and I can you know vouch for that because I used to run into yeah. you at
1: the PJ Hilton uh, yeah. doing sitting down with Ken, writing the book, you know. Mm. So um, anyway, we're going to um, just remind everyone about climbing the Chelsea Hill. And,
2: and, and I have kept it, if it will be under under Ken's name, okay? Ken Shalito. So when you ask for an author, don't yep. mention me. It's okay. narrated to me. Yep. I wrote it, but I've put it as Ken, in Ken's name. And One some and fantastic
1: photos. If you love yep. uh, football uh, photos and all that, really great photos. Climbing the Chelsea Hill by Nick yeah, right. Atkinson. This is a book that you can buy uh, through MPH.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.